Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Rusty Quill presents
There was little to distinguish day from night in New Vic. The sky shifted from black to an ash gray, but that was about it. The perpetual cloud cover disallowing all but the slightest touch of the sun. From the balcony of my room, my inhuman eyes could absorb the view beneath the view, where a collective living nightmare hid beneath the mask of a dead city. There was no counting the individual visions of terror, where they piled and pulsed like a tapestry of vital organs, each one feeding the larger body of wickedness to which they were beholden. And somewhere in it all was mixed up the horrific dreams of my mother, <laughs> maybe even my own, all of us contributing our share of fear and suffering. After my trip into the Harrows, and without any medication, <laughs> My head was a mess, my cigs pulling double, maybe triple duty to keep my head somewhat attached. If there was one good thing I could say about Nuvik, it was that the abandoned stores were filled with free smokes. But even my chain smoking wasn't moving my mind off Isaiah. He should have been back by now. I was alone in my room, all my nightmare brethren off doing whatever living nightmares did. All except Carface, who was parked in front of the apartment building. I didn't know if he was told to keep an eye on me or if he was just the considerate type. Of all of them though, I expected Sugar to be around, but he was nowhere to be seen. We were going on day three with no Isaiah and I was sick of vacillating between idle worry and wandering the haunted streets of my birthplace. What scared me most of all, as I strolled through the rotting hallways and swarms of flies, was just how accustomed I'd become to the surroundings. Now, I'd lived here for quite some time, even venturing beyond the lab and its dormitories, but my keepers never let me go too far. I, perhaps they, had no idea what to expect should I penetrate too deeply into the demonic place. But now I knew what the city was. I knew what I was. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel a smidge of belonging. The larger portion of myself, however, if I even had one single self, was repulsed by the place and what it stood for, along with any sense of connection to it. But we had nowhere left to retreat to, where we could feel, dare I say, safe. I didn't know how long I'd been followed, lost as I was inside my own head, but now that I could hear the footsteps, my unmedicated paranoia filled my head. As the sound approached me from an adjacent hallway, a narrow length of wood rot and mold, they stopped short of stepping into the waning light. Approaching the spot my pursuer was likely standing, I heard the footsteps again, this time on the floor directly above me, bits of dust and debris dislodged by the movement drifting across my face. I don't know who's thinking they can scare me, but if you keep it up, you're going to find out the hard way. I don't frighten easily. You are not at all as I imagined. 
Nothing like Gloomhast's other aberrations. I wondered when I'd run into you. Drowker, I presume. Lord Drowker. But yes, you presume correctly. Huh, I'm surprised Scarlet Skull, or whatever his name is, didn't tell you all about us. He must have mentioned our little meeting. I'm sure he did. But who can trust such a creature? How could it properly convey the intricacies of a being such as yourself? A mailing, they say. Somehow, I do not believe them. Well, whatever I am, I don't appreciate the whole voice from the shadows routine. If you want to talk, show yourself. As you wish. A breeze blew through the hallway, the darkness expanding, all except for the shadows at the end of the corridor, where a frost of cold blue light shivered across the age-old wooden plaster. Melting out of the glowing nimbus, a tall figure stepped into view. He was more man than monster, eyes like my own, silky raven hair that plunged past his shoulders, features chiseled from stone, his body gliding beneath a black leather cloak, and briefly, visible upon his hip as he strode toward me, a wicked Balak. There. Now. May we talk? Just stay where you are. I can hear you just fine from over here. Whatever you desire, Rosemary. He stared at me for an awkward second, evaluating me, it seemed. And there was something else, too. Even more than the kinship I felt with the city, I felt connected to this creature. Huh. It made me wonder, was I really what I thought I was? No, I'm merely certain of it. You cannot be a mailing. There, upon your hip, no mailing can wield such a thing. His hand slipped from his cloak, a clawed finger gesturing to my own Balak. Yeah, it comes in handy from time to time. Although the last monster I crossed paths with had a collection of them, from all the wakeless it had eaten. I felt the need to be rude, to sever whatever connection I felt toward the thing. Human-looking or not, it was just a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm sure they all deserved it. There is no better way of separating wheat from chaff, than trial by fire. Now, tell me, they say you have a brother. Is he as unusual as you? You could say that. <laughs> oh me, oh my! Are you two talking about little old me? <laughs> oh, if so... Yes, I am rather unusual, aren't I? <laughs> you. Me. <laughs> uh, 
I was just on my way to check on my sister, and here she is, with the great Drowker, no less. <laughs> we don't see very much of you on this side of the city. What's the occasion? <laughs> wait, wait, I know. It's Redhead's birthday. And you've come downtown to shop for the perfect gift. <laughs> there was clearly something between these two, and I didn't know if it was a good idea to come between them. Ultimately, I decided to wait and see how the conversation panned out. Your humor does poor service to hide your motivations, little clown. Or have you forgotten who you speak to? We are your makers, to say nothing of our mastery over you. It was we who called you up and gave you flesh and bones and brain. We know you because we own you. And you, little clown the smallest stage are merely resentful of your place within the stables amongst the filth and offal where you belong. <laughs> filth and offal? Oh my, my, my. I hope you don't kiss Shigorin with that potty mouth of yours. <laughs> uh. And apparently it's you who've forgotten who you're talking to. We are the sons and daughters of the head honcho around here. And last I checked, we have the run of the place. <laughs> All while you and your flunkies are slumming it over in Northman Hills. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Drowker. <laughs> <laughs> you think descending from Gloomhast changes my appraisal of you? Hardly. He's... Now, now, now! <laughs> I'd be careful what you say. He's always listening, don't you know? <laughs> you wouldn't want him to hear you disparaging his good name, would you? <laughs> Forgive me, little clown. I've forgotten that you persist in endless, abject servility. I've nothing to fear from your father, for he is merely the steward of this outpost within the waking world, not its king. There is only one king, and we, the wakeless, are the inheritors of his true will. <laughs> sort of calling the kettle black, aren't you? Inheritors of his will sounds an awful lot like lapdog, if you ask me. <laughs> Sugar was being more pointed than usual, which I wasn't sure was a good thing. But after Drowker referred to Merlings, <laughs> me, as beasts of the stable, I was rooting for Sugar. God, what the hell happened to me? I was defending Marylings for fuck's sake. What existence is not a pyramid, little clown? 
Yet, its heights are not the same simply because they all look down. And not every servant is a beast. Even kings scrape at the feet of God. But is it not better to kneel upon the polished stone than to stain your knees groveling in the dirt? After all, no one wants candy after it's been on the ground. Now do they? <laughs> Says the wakeless who was left behind. <laughs> you have a poor grasp of things, clown. But that's to be expected. I'd sooner coke sense into a stone than speak reason to a fool. Though I should commend you on the one bit of cleverness you've displayed. Convincing that one she's your sister. <laughs> On that count, you've succeeded admirably at what you were designed to do. Make me laugh. It was the first time I'd ever seen Sugar's face screw up into real anger. His hand crept to the handle of his candy cane blade, his smile filling with more malice than I'd ever seen. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> because my next joke's gonna have you laughing so hard. <laughs> Your sides are gonna split wide open. <laughs> Sugar, relax. We've got more important things to do than stand here hurling insults at one another. Drowker didn't pay Sugar's threat one ounce of attention. He just turned and walked away, but not before taking one last swipe. Do see to your <laughs> brother, Rosemary, before he gets himself hurt, or worse. The Lord of the Wakeless vanished into the darkness and Sugar gently lifted my hand from his shoulder, where I'd put it to hold him back. I appreciate your concern, dear sweet Rosemary, but next time, you should just let things play out. <laughs> Chocolate chip cookies were made by accident, don't you know? Life without spontaneity is like sweets without sugar. <laughs> I was more concerned about life without sugar, Drowker is a full-blooded wakeless who's smack dab in the middle of downtown New Vic. Somehow I think the outcome of a tussle would be less unpredictable than you'd like to think. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, enough of all this. I want to go looking for Isaiah. He should have been back by now. Well, Carface is right outside. <laughs> Let's all take a road trip. <laughs> Getting bashed up came with the job, but it was all the downtime it took to heal up that really irked me. Yet, ever since my pale field got juiced, I healed up pretty quick. So the fact that I was still hurting really said something about how bad I'd gotten my shit kicked in. Not that I didn't take the poetry spouting scream eater to the cleaners, too. 
though I had a feeling he was probably doing a lot better than me at that moment. Limping through the woods, paralleling the road, I was making shit for time. Couldn't risk walking in plain sight, given my condition. There were just too many banditos, and God knew what else, who might pull up on a fella who was down on his luck. Though I hadn't seen a single car since my altercation with the screen eater. And the rate I was going, it'd take me days to get back to New Vic. The sun dipped low, casting long shadows that danced ominously between the trees. Every rustle in the underbrush set my already ragged nerves on edge. My pale field could still pick up unnatural guests, maybe even turning them down a notch or two, but that was about it. Whatever boost I'd gotten from the white woods, it was like a shot of adrenaline. It kicked me up well enough, but uh, now I was on the downward slope of the effect. The silence was almost worse than the pain. Left too much room for thoughts about how badly the scream eater had rearranged my insides. Not to mention how pissed off I was for having lost the cookie tent during my throwdown. And then there was Romy. I know she didn't mean what she said. She couldn't have. Like the saying goes, actions speak louder than words. And Romy's actions had more than made up for her handful of words. Even if they did hurt a hell of a lot more than anything that scream eater could throw at me. It was getting darker and nighttime in these parts didn't forgive. The thought of spending another night out there, exposed and vulnerable, was enough to quicken my pace, pain be damned. And I was far from certain the pain eater had given up on me. Given what little I knew about them, it seemed all the thing had to do to recharge was torture something, and the woods were brimming with options. Up ahead, the forest thinned, offering a glimpse of an old, run-down cabin. Hope flickered in my chest. Shelter. Maybe even a chance to scavenge something useful. But with hope came suspicion. An unoccupied cabin could be a trap as much as a shelter. My senses bristling, I made my way towards the rickety enclosure. Every step a mix of anticipation and dread. It was a risk, but out here... Staying out in the open was often deadlier than any danger you walked into. As I approached the cabin, the crinkle of grass under my feet sounded like thunder in the silence. The door hung off its hinges, a silent invitation, or a warning. With a wary eye, I scanned the surroundings. No movement, no sound, except for the soft whisper of the wind through the leaves. Pushing the door open, I stepped inside, my senses on high alert. The cabin was a time capsule of sorts, frozen in a moment long gone. Dust lay thick on an old wooden table, chairs scattered around as if the occupants had left in a hurry. A fireplace, cold and unused, stood against one wall, while a small grimy window let in the dying light. I closed the door behind me. The place had an air of menace. People, or worse, could be holed up anywhere. I needed to be sure I was alone. 
After a quick sweep of the small space, it seemed I was indeed alone. My pale field might heal wounds, but it didn't protect against a surprise attack. Still, I needed to rest, give my power a chance to recharge. I settled down in a corner where I could keep an eye on the door and the window, and allowed myself a moment to breathe. Every hoot of an owl or rustle of leaves sent a jolt of adrenaline through me. I couldn't shake the feeling that eyes were watching from the darkness, waiting for me to let down my guard. But I couldn't move on, not in the dark, and not in my condition. I was stuck, at least until dawn. I leaned my head back against the wall, and as my thoughts drifted, I finally came to a certain realization. Why I'd come up short against the crematorium. <laughs> she wasn't named after an insect or something slimy. My greatest hits read like a ten-year-old's shortlist of creepy creatures they'd like to trap in a bucket. Salamanders, spiders, eels. Granted, I only chalked up an assist with the eel king, but uh, I was counting it anyway. As I was recalling the stranger names of my various opponents through the years, my field pinged. Something was moving in from the same direction I'd come. Like a dying dog that drags itself under the porch to die, you've chosen this rotting derelict for your final moments. One would have expected something more grandiose for the inimitable insomniac. But irony is a force worthy of its own science. And I am more than happy to accommodate its mandates. I felt something parry my field, a wave of pain that came from both outside and inside me. Recent pain memories exploding into the present. I had to focus my power to turn them down to a tolerable level, but that meant pulling it back away from the screen eater, just like it wanted. Your pain is far more effective than even a blood trail. A succulent train of traumas that leads back to you. My unfinished meal. While I couldn't pick him up anymore, I could still hear him as he casually circled the cabin. Problem was, given what the asshole said, he probably knew exactly where I was, using my pain to zero in on me. Moving to the center of the room so as not to get yanked through the wall by one of those whip tongues, I waited for the monster to make its move. Where will your sister choose to spend her final moments, I wonder? That is, of course, if she were given the choice. He was trying to piss me off, make me sloppy, which was good news. The dickhead wasn't sure he could take me in a rush. Maybe he was a bit more fucked up from our last go-round than I thought. It also suggested that he could be pressed for time, not waiting till he was back to 100% and all. 
Or I could be dead wrong about all of it. These creatures loved torture, thrived on it. Maybe the monologuing was just a part of its routine. I doubt, however, that she will present the difficulty you have. That power of yours. But your resilience does present me with the opportunity to explore other options. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld, and sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Be sure to check us out at www.maltopia.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. If you want unique art and animations of Maltopia's stories, visit our YouTube page or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a fan and want to help the show grow, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And for more exclusive content such as additional lore, stories, and art, be sure to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia.